I've been fighting a cold this week, so uh, if, uh, oh yeah, I'll need that stand too. Thanks, Mike. I brought my uh, I brought my favorite mug, so um, let me read you what it says. Be sh- strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's a little guy he's uh, stuck in the crocodiles or alligators or whatever. I know this morning I'm among friends, so this is. Um, Yeah, I'm okay. All right, okay. Well, good morning. Just by the way of introduction, I just want to introduce myself. My name is uh, Mark Bernhard. Um, I uh, grew up in Ohio. Went from Ohio to New York. Did it, uh, a 13-year study in college. <laughs> then we we decided that. Um, um, the next track for me might be uh, where God was calling me to, and that was seminary. And at that time, the seminary was right across from the soccer field, so that was pretty convenient. Um, my wife said, 13 years college. Uh, Mark, let's make sure that that doesn't uh, see what you can do in a shorter period of time. So I accomplished um, four years and four and a half. So that was, um, that was a pretty good goal, pretty good accomplishment. Um, while in seminary, um, you, you find out a lot of different things. Um, some of you may have yet to go through, maybe you've gone through, and I think some of my process was still going through that, was what I would term a, a crisis experience. That um, you, uh, you find the end of yourself, and when you do that, uh, you pray that God would show up. And a lot of times... More times than not, he did. And um, I just, I'm just so thankful to God that that's, uh, that's what he's about. Um, I found I'm kind of a traditionalist. I have one really strong hymn that I cling to, and it's uh, Great is His Faithfulness. Um, he's faithful even when we're not. So. We discovered, too, in seminary that... Um, one of those big, big item things is that uh, my wife wasn't going to have to work. And uh, we've, uh, th- that was a strong conviction for me, and it still is. And I praise God that uh, he's allowed us to continue that, tr- that same mold, that process, that she has not had to work, and I'm working, and... Uh, it's, it's, it's been challenging, but it's been good, and it's been fruitful. And I just praise God that um, he continues to do that. While in seminary, uh, I nearly lost a wife and a son. Um, we had a tragic accident. We, had, we were going to the doctor, and uh, uh, a semi was going the other direction, and we're going this way, and uh, um, all he had on his uh, flatbed truck was... Uh, a hydraulic jack, if you just one of those, but it's a you know good size one. Well, that it it there were some moguls in the road, and that slid off the flatbed truck, and it bounced in the road, and I just thought it was a piece of rubber thing. Well, then it ended up in my wife's lap, and um, the windshield is now 
um, completely broke out, just about. And uh, so we pull over, and um, we're waiting for the ambulance. The ambulance comes, gets all my family, because we're all together. And uh, it's unique how the Lord kind of has his hand on, on every step of the way. Because had I been going any faster, that would have crashed in, like, right where I was. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be before you this morning. Um, somebody else would. Um, so it's, it's great just to see how the Lord works in, in, in ways that he does. It's just, yeah. Um, and then we get in the ambulance, and uh, the police are directing us, and he says, uh, well, there's a train coming. This ambulance needs to get out of here. So in the process of almost having an accident, we're going to have another accident with a train now. That, uh, it's, it, um, but, again, God was faithful. Um, um, our son stopped breathing when we were on our way to Ohio. And uh, I could never get that back door open. What had happened, we were overdressed, the kids. It was 20 degrees when we left New York on our way to Ohio. And uh, we get there, and it's like 50 degrees, and we never bothered to take any of their clothes off. And so the, and the sun's beating in, and we were... Um, so, so he's got this, like, strange cough, and I look back, and his eyes roll up in his head, and so we, I just slam... When you're doing 70, you don't know how fast you can go when you need to go zero. So I, uh, I think the tire tracks are still somewhere on 70 in Ohio, or 75, 80, or whatever that is. And uh, we, we called, called uh, I had a CB at the time, and an 18-wheeler stopped. He said, what's the problem? I said, well, my son stopped breathing. He got on the horn, and um, he said, what mile marker? I'm clueless. We're in the middle of Ohio, buddy. He goes, let me stay patrolled and just pulled up, like, just, like, right in front of us. Um, I, you don't know CPR until you have to do it. And I just, I, he's not breathing. So I just do what I know what comes natural is breathe right into him. And uh, by the time the police came, he was, on his, he was on his own breathing. So, again, we just praise the Lord that, Crisis experience. He's he's there. Um, uh, he's he's just there. Let let me challenge you guys this morning. Just by just from from where I'm at, and then moving into the scripture. Um, if I can do that, what they taught me in seminary is one phrase, and, and it always, I, I it always is in the back of my mind. Always moving in there, and now it's now it's in the front of my mind, and I just want to give you give you the challenge that's before me and before all of us. Why do we do what we do? In my home, I, I I'm confident in that I'm a I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a dad, and so. There's some things that I know I ought to be doing. And what I do is what I do because I know that I need to be doing it. As a family of God, in this church situation, why do we do what we do? Is there, what's the significance? What's the reason? Is it just to show up? Is it for somebody to stand here and give you more information? Is it, what is it? 
Can we describe it? Can we write it out? Can we put it in a form that I, that I know what it is? And you know what it is. God knows what it is. Well, sure, Mark. It's, it's whatever we do is to bring glory to God. Great. But in that process of what we're doing, why we're doing it, is there other things besides that? Because there's a lot of folks in the city of Topeka that need to be here this morning that aren't. Agreed? Agreed. Why? Anybody tell me why? Because Christ has preached here. That's why. Christ is here, he's alive, and he's doing quite well. You know that, I know that, and there's folks that need to know that, that don't yet, right? I am so glad to God I'm here this morning, and I'm glad you're here too. I, um, I was thinking of the Langhoffers, because... Um, the reason why we're here in Topeka is to start a church. And how do you start a church? I just, I said, Lord, give me what Jesus would do. And um, I went to 400 doors in this neighborhood. And eight years ago, nine years, eight years ago, I was in the same position preaching and teaching to a different group of people. Eight years later, voila! (laughs) It's not coincidence. I'll grant you that right now. It's God's providence. The Longhoffer, we go back, because like one of the first families that we had ever met in Topeka was uh, Stan and Teresa. And uh, I had, we just thought they fell off the edge of the planet, I guess, or something like that. And, and, and now he's, he's brought us back. And I, just, I am just so thankful to God that um, he is faithful, so faithful, so faithful. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. I've been um, doing um, volunteer work as a chaplain in the military. Well, not as, uh, through the VA system, I was doing it here in Topeka, and then it was uh, over in Kansas City. So I've been away. My wife was eager to come here, and I challenged her to come, and, and we're he- I'm glad we're here. I, I am... Did I tell you how glad I was to be here? Thank you. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Numbers, Numbers 21. Numbers 21. And then to John chapter 3. Numbers 21. We'll start at verse 5. 
It is good to be here. 21.5. The people sinned. No, they spake against Moses. Well, they spoke against God, and then they spoke against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And the people, Lord, why are we doing what we're doing? Is the question. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and, and they started to die. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned again. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you, Moses. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord told Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it came to pass that everyone that is bitten and looks upon it will live. Moses made a serpent of brass, put it on a pole. It came to pass that if the serpent had bitten any man, when he had beheld the serpent of brass... He lived. Christ's experience. You have people dying. Hand of God tells Moses what to do. Moses does it. Look and live. Turn with me to uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There's a name, uh, excuse me, there's a man a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came by night to Jesus and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No man does these things that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? And enter into the second time of his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised, marvel not, that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it, list, uh, where it desires, and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, You're a master of Israel, and you don't know these things? Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, We speak that we do know of, and we testify that what we've seen, and yet you have not received our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how, can I, how, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man has ascended up to the heaven, but he that was up in heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, and now as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him, that should, in him should not perish but have eternal life, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent, his, sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, 
Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be examined or exposed or reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, and his deeds may be manifest or made clear that they are indeed wrought by God. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the people of God. That it's a word of God to his people of God. We ask now that Jesus bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Recap, just by way of remembrance, um, what John has talked about. Get that later. Um, John has talked about in chapter 1 that God, that Jesus has, he's creator. And John the Baptist sees the creator and he says, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1. Chapter 2, um, the creator takes ordinary water and he transforms it into the choicest of wine. That's in John chapter 2. Chapter 3 here, we find that the creator now takes ordinary people like you and me and Nicodemus and he converts us, and he'll convert Nicodemus. Think with me, if you will, a game of tug-of-war. We've all played it, right? You know, you're, you're pulling, everybody's pulling, same team, no, opposite team. And you're trying to get the one team in the mud, and the other team's tug-of-war. Jesus, the Son of God, the Spirit, Wind, being the power of God, and light on the one side. You have Nicodemus, and let me describe for you real quick Nicodemus. But make note of Nicodemus, because you and I might be in the same situation. A Washburn graduate. He's a professor, and his profession is in law. He's a lawyer. He's religious. We have what's known today as separation of church and state. You take a real serious look at Nicodemus, and he brings the two together. Watch. The state will say is the law. The church will say is religion. Nicodemus, he's a statesman for law and religion. He brings together church and state. Imagine that. How does he do that? I think Nicodemus has some money, some cash flow. To go to Washburn, you got to have it. You, You get power. With power, you usually get influence. This is Nicodemus. Pretty, uh, pretty prominent guy in society. I'm sure we've got lots of them. One other thing. He's either in the dark or he has some connection with nighttime. Jesus light, Jesus light, Nicodemus in the night. What does, what, what does, and this is my first point here, that um, what does Nicodemus say? 
He says, Teacher, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher from God. No man can do these miracles that you do except you be with him. What miracles is he talking about? We need to jump back into chapter 2. Just go up there, just a few verses, in um, 23, 2.23. And when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. doesn't say what they were. He just did a bunch of miracles. Jesus did not commit himself to, he did not commit himself there in 24 to them because he knew all men and he needed not to testify of any man because he knew what was in man. Nicodemus sees Jesus not like himself. I'm intrigued by this guy. This man interests me. I have some expectations. Will he fulfill them? Jesus has raised my curiosity level. How do I get to him? Maybe I've seen God work in the daytime. What's he like at night? Can I discover any difference what God does in my familiar surrounding. What's my first point then? Nicodemus says, look, what you do reflects who you are. Jesus, you're different because what you do, God can only be with you. Jesus does, what he does reflects who he is. What Jesus reveals is who he is. This is key right here. Listen to this very closely. Light brings exposure. It reveals who we really are. Light brings exposure. It reveals who we really are. Secondly, Nicodemus gets an awareness that Jesus creates for him. Jesus creates an awareness for Nicodemus to grasp who he is. How does he do that? Three times in verse 3. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you. Verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you. In verse 11. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you. What is Jesus giving Nicodemus? I believe Jesus is giving Nicodemus absolute truth. What, is, what are people looking for today? I believe people are looking today for absolute truth. I really do. And where are they finding it? If it's not Jesus Christ, it's not the truth. can't be. What did Jesus give us in John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. Those are definite articles there. He is definitely what he said he is. Thirdly, Jesus tells him it's just believing, faith. Nicodemus, you just need to have a personal relationship with me. 
and you'll get into the kingdom of God. Being born again. Says it twice. And once he says believe. Being born again and believe. Nicodemus, I am meeting you right where you are. And that's Jesus' challenge. He challenges each of us where we are individually. Six billion challenges. Because that's how many people, the last count, I think. Six billion challenges. Jesus challenges every individual person where they are. What's Nicodemus' response? How do I go back in time? Can't. It's impossible. Can't do it. Jesus just leveled the playing field for every one of us. It's impossible. Being born again is impossible. On a human effort. It's impossible. No one can go back. Nicodemus, I need to pull you over here. Just hang on, Nicodemus. But I need to pull you. And so he pulls every one of us. Because otherwise we're all hopeless. There's no hope. It's impossible. Christ says, I'm the truth. The truth to give you hope. Jesus operates in the Spirit. Obviously, he's flesh, though, right? John, chapter 1, he came in the flesh. But he also operates in the Spirit. He's truly God and truly man at the same time. I've been to seminary, folks, and I still can't explain it. He's truly God and truly man at the same time. What's he doing for Nicodemus? He's giving him... I believe, a new paradigm, a new dimension. He's turning, he's turning Nicodemus' world for him. Nicodemus is stuck in the flesh. Jesus says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me pull you closer to me in the Spirit. How does that happen? Best illustration I know of is a worm. Worm, he'll just crawl and crawl and crawl, you know. Little worm crawling. What happens? Crawls up someplace and builds a cocoon. What happens to that cocoon? Over time, it does what? Does it become the worm again? No. That caterpillar built that cocoon to what? Over time, it, it creates a marvelous beautiful-looking butterfly. And it's flying, and it's flying, and it's flying. At least it should be. That's the one danger. What one danger is that, Mark? The butterfly has to fly. Otherwise, what's its other option? Can it go back to the cocoon? No. Could it become a worm? I suppose so. It doesn't use its wings, so it crawls on the ground. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I know I haven't seen any butterflies 
crawl on the ground. But that can become a danger, can't it? We revert back. We go back to maybe a security blanket or the good old days or easy street, whatever, you wanna, whatever term you want to use. Comfort level, comfort zone. Jesus could have done that with Nicodemus. Chose not to, praise God. He could do that for every one of us too. But I think he, he says, hold on to the rope while I pull you over. Absolute truth. Hope. In maybe a crisis situation. Crisis experience. I think that's where Nicodemus is at. Could you be at that same place here this morning? We saw what happened to the Israelites. This is the beauty of the Bible. I love this book. This book is marvelous. It shows what's wrong with humankind, with human man, with humanity. It gives us the problem, what's wrong. And it, it, was, it wasn't a two-by-four that had to go over the Israelites' heads, was it? Sometimes we need the two-by-four, but they just, they simply, what'd they do? They went to Moses and said, what? Moses, we blew it again. We sinned. You need to go to God and tell him what we've done. That's the problem. We always blow it. Why? We're sinners by nature. Can't escape it. It's an impossibility. We're sinners. We sin. It's the only book I know that gives us a remedy. What was it? Oh, you're stuck there. Stay there. Society. Society. Why about society? What? No. Uh Uh-uh. I am a sinner by nature. I sin. And Jesus said, you know what? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so I too will be lifted up. That all you have to do is look and live. Look and live. What did, what did Moses provide there for them in, this, in, in the wilderness? He provided a medical symbol for healing, wasn't it? Why? Why, why do we know that? America, uh, American Medical Association, folks, what's their symbol? Same, yeah. Same thing. A symbol for healing. An association has used a symbol from Scripture to adopt in their practice. Pretty ingenious. I like it. Jesus said, I'll do one better. I'll go to the cross. I'll go to the cross for spiritual healing that no surgeon will be able to take part in that. So what's he do? If we turn back to Isaiah 53, we find Isaiah there. What's he state? By his stripes, we are healed. 
how, how does he put that in present tense? Jesus hasn't died yet. He's Isaiah 700 years before Christ. How does he know that? Isaiah's in the future. Christ has died already. By his stripes. Isaiah would say, we are healed. Isaiah would have said, by his stripes, I am healed. Uh-oh, we got a problem, though. What happens in 1 Peter chapter 2? By his stripes, you were healed. That's past tense. What's Peter doing? Peter says, wait a minute. Isaiah projected into the future. I'm going back. I'm going back in time. Peter, and that's what Peter does. He goes back. He says, by his stripes, you were healed. I, I was healed. I was healed back there. That's the beauty of the time span, folks. History. History comes together at the cross. How do we know that? Three things. Absolute truth. Hope. Healing. Truth, hope, and healing. For a broken world. More specifically, for broken people. I gave you uh, three um, specific points. What one does reflects what one, who one is. What one is. What Jesus does reflects who he is. So what we do reflects who we are. Secondly, I gave you um, absolute truth that Jesus told Nicodemus. You want truth? I'm giving it to you three times. Don't miss it. What was the last one? Thirdly, it was a relationship. A relationship with who I am, Nicodemus, ensures you into the kingdom of God. Let's reverse them. Let's reverse the order. Being born again, growing in absolute truth, producing what reflects what we are. Turn with me, if you will, to uh, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Let's see if this fits. It's got to be scripture. It does fit. But that's the beauty. It's beautiful. John chapter 7, verse 50. No, 49. No, let's catch it up at 45. Then the officers and the chief priests and Pharisees, they said to them, why, why haven't you brought Jesus here? The officer said, never, spake, never a man spoke like this before. Then they answered the Pharisees, Are you deceived as well? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people know who... They know not that the law is cursed. Ah, here's Nicodemus. Nicodemus said to them, the one that came by night to Jesus being one of them. Wait a minute, fellas. Doesn't our law judge any man before it hears does, does our law judge any man before it hears him and knows what he does? 
Nicodemus is still in the same frame of mind, doing. He saw Jesus say, you know what, this guy is this guy's different. I'll tell you that right now, he's different. What he does, he can only do because God's with him. What's our law state? Nicodemus says, what is our law state? They answered Nicodemus, Were you, are you from Galilee? Are you one of those Galileans? Search the scripture and look at, look, look. Search scripture and look. Does, does a prophet arise out of Galilee? Every man went to his own home. What happened? Nicodemus defends Jesus. Doesn't he? That's what I see it happening. I see that they're confused and Nicodemus adds to their confusion and they all go home confused. Is that what Jesus is about? To confuse everybody? Nope. If you're willing to stay in the nighttime, in the darkness, God will oblige you in that. He did it for Pharaoh. Pharaoh, far, uh, Pharaoh hardened, hardened his heart, and God said, I can help you out. But anyone, this is the beauty, whosoever would believe, hang on to the rope. I'm pulling you over. Quickly, Chapter 19. Verse 38, 1938. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, requested of Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him, gave him permission. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39, and there came also Nicodemus, which was at the first came to Jesus by night. Can't ever get away from that Nicodemus by night. And he brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a 100-pound weight, and they took the body of Christ, and they wound it in linen clothes, the spices, the manner of the Jews is to burial. And then they placed it where he was crucified. Well, let's see. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, wherein never a man was ever put there. And there they laid Jesus, because the Jews' preparation day for the sculptor or the sepulcher, was near at hand. What happened to Nicodemus? Jesus touched him. What's Nicodemus able to do? Like no other, just about no other, Nicodemus is able to go and touch the one that touched him. Folks, what are we about? If we've been touched by him, it's great to touch him back. But then what's his command to us? Go touch somebody else. Can't get any simpler. 
I was ministering to, uh, again, the VA in Kansas City. Just a real quick thing, and, and we'll wrap it up with this. Um, one of the patients came to me, elderly gentleman. Mark, I, I, Chaplain Mark, I, re, I remember. I, I remember. His name was Patrick. Patrick came to me and he said, Mark, I remember three guys putting in, um, three guys, they were putting a furnace. Oh, oh, Patrick, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, those were the, yeah, three guys, yeah. Patrick, was that a crisis experience for them? Yeah. I'd say, yeah, being, Mark, was that an angel in there with them? Was that Jesus? I said, Patrick, in your crisis experience, what do you what do you want? Because we've we've seen you know the some of the scenarios or some of the um, touched by an angel. Patrick, do you want to be touched by an angel? You want an angel in there with you? Or you? Oh, chaplain, that's a marvelous. That's a great question. Thank you, thank you, Patrick. I'm glad I asked it. Do I want an angel? In- well, chaplain, I, I want Jesus. Patrick, that's a great answer. I want Jesus too. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, this morning. It is a delight to get into your word and see how you draw people to yourself. Lord, so often I picture myself as Nicodemus. And yet, Lord, I see that you've you've met every expectation, every interest, every intrigue that I could ever imagine, that I could ever have. You fulfilled it in the truth, Jesus Christ, your Son. Lord, it may be that you're pulling some folks within the sound of my voice here this morning, as raspy as it is. But Lord, in spite of the servant, you still operate, you still work. And I am so glad for your grace and mercy, your truth, your hope, and your healing for me this morning, as well as for those that I'm praying with and for right now, Lord. Lord, this has been meaningful for me. Lord, I'm, I'm praying and I'm trusting that those that you're... Father, w- would you allow them to just keep holding the rope as you pull them? And we'll continue to praise you and to thank you for the marvelous work that you do in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.